0: chapter sixteen of santa claus's partner this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. santa claus's partner by thomas nelson page chapter sixteen all the morning livingston rushed as he had never rushed in the wildest excitement of the street He had to find a banker and a lawyer and a policeman, but he found them all. He had to get presents to Sitkins and Hartley and the other clerks, but he managed to do it. His servants, too, had caught the contagion, and more than once big wagons driven by smiling, cheery-faced men drove up to the door and unloaded their contents. And when the evening fell and a great sleigh with six seats and four horses and every seat packed full drove up and emptied its shouting occupants out at Livingston's door, everything was ready. It was Livingston himself who met the guests at the door, and the driver in his shaggy coat must have been an old friend from the smiling way in which he nodded and waved his fur-gloved hands to him as he helped Mrs. Clark out tenderly and took Kitty into his arms. When Kitty was informed that this was Santa Claus's partner's party and that she was to be the hostess, she was at first a little shy, partly perhaps on account of the strangeness of being in such a big fine house and partly on account of the solemn presence of James, until the latter had relieved her in ways of which that austere person seemed to have the secret where children were concerned." Finally she was induced to take the children over the house, and the laughter which soon came floating back from distant rooms showed that the ice was broken. Only two rooms, the library and the dining room, were closed, and they were not closed very long. Just as it grew dark, Kitty was told to marshal her eager forces, and James with sparkling eyes rolled back the folding doors children had never seen anything before in all their lives like that which greeted their eyes the library was a bower of evergreen and radiance in the centre was a great tree of crystal and stars which reflected the light of a myriad twinkling candles it had undoubtedly come from fairyland if the place was not fairyland itself on the border of which they stood amazed Kitty was asked by Mr. Livingston to lead the other children in, and as she approached the tree she found facing her a large envelope addressed to Santa Claus's partner, Miss Kitty Clark. This she was told to open, and in it was a letter from Santa Claus himself. It stated that the night before, as the writer was engaged in looking after presents for some poor children, he saw a little girl in a shop engaged in the same work, and when he reached a certain hospital, he found that she had been there too before him. And now, as he had to go to another part of the world to keep ahead of the sun, he hoped that she would still act for him and look after his business here. The letter was signed, Your partner, Santa Claus. The postscript suggested that a few of the articles he had left on the tree for her were marked with names, but that others were unmarked, so that her friends might choose what they preferred, and he had left his pack at the foot of the tree as a grab-bag. This letter broke the spell, and next moment everyone was shouting and rollicking as though they lived there. In all the throng there was no one so delighted as Mr. Clark. Livingston had had no idea how clever he was he was the soul of the entertainment it was he who discovered first the packages for each little one he who without appearing to do so guided them in their march around the tree so that all might find just the presents that suited them he seemed to livingston's quickened eye to divine just what each child liked and wished he appeared to know all that livingston desired to know at length he alone of all the guests had received no present. The others had their little arms packed so full that Livingston had to step forward to the tree to help a small tot bear away his toppling load. The next moment Kitty discovered a large envelope lying at the foot of the tree. It was addressed, John Clark, Esquire, father of Santa Claus's partner. It was strange that Kitty should have overlooked it before. With a spring she seized it and handed it to her father, with a little shout of joy, for she had not been able to keep from showing disappointment that he had received nothing. Clark smiled at her pleasure, for he knew that the kisses which she had given him from time to time had been to make amends to him, and not, as others thought, from joy over her own presence. Clark knew well the handwriting, and even as he opened the envelope, he glanced around to catch Livingston's eye and thank him. Livingston, however, had suddenly disappeared so clark read the letter it was very brief it said that livingston had never known until the night before how much he owed him that he was not sure even now that he knew the full extent of his indebtedness but at least he had come to recognise that he owed much of his business success to mr clark's wisdom and fidelity and he asked as a personal favor to him that clark would accept the enclosed as a token of his gratitude and would consider favorably his proposal opening an enclosed envelope clark found two papers one was a full release of the mortgage on clark's house livingston had spent the morning in securing it the other was a memorandum of articles of partnership between berryman livingston and john clark beginning from that very day, indeed, from the day before, already, signed by Livingston, and wanting only Mr. Clark's signature to make it complete. Mr. Clark, with his face quite white and looking almost awed, turned and walked into the next room where he found Livingston standing alone. The old clerk was still holding the papers clutched in his hands and was walking as if in a dream. Mr. Livingston, he began, I can never... I am overwhelmed. Your letter, your gifts. But Livingston interrupted him. His face was not white, but red. Nonsense, he said, as he turned and put his hand on the other's shoulder. Clark, I am not giving you anything. I am paying. I mean, I owe you everything, and what I don't owe you, I owe Kitty. Last night you lent me. He stopped, caught himself, and began again. It was more than even you knew, Clark, he said, looking the other kindly in the eyes, and I'll owe you a debt of gratitude all my life. All I ask is that you will forget the past and help me in the future and sometimes lend me kitty. I never knew until now how good it was to have a partner. Just then he became conscious that someone else was near him, Kitty, with wide-open happy eyes, was standing beside them, looking up inquiringly in their faces. The child seemed to know that something important had happened, for she put up her arms and, pulling her father down to her, kissed him. And then, turning quickly, she caught Livingston and, drawing him down, kissed him too. I love you, she said in a whisper. Livingston caught her in his arms let's go and have a game of blind man's bluff i am beginning to feel young again he said and linking his arm in clark's he dragged him back to the others where in a few minutes they were all of one age and a very riot of fun seemed to have broken loose matters had just reached this delightful point and livingston was down on his hands and knees trying with futile dexterity to avoid the clutch of a pair of little arms that apparently were pursuing him with infallible instinct into an inextricable trap when he became conscious of a presence he had not observed before. Someone not there before was standing in the doorway. Livington sprang to his feet and faced Mrs. Wright. He felt very red and foolish as he caught her eyes and found them smiling at him the idea of being discovered in so ridiculous a situation and posture by the most fashionable and elegant woman of his acquaintance but mrs wright waved to him to go on with his game and the next moment the little arms had clutched him and tearing off her bandage kitty with dancing eyes declared him caught well this is my final triumph over will exclaimed mrs wright advancing into the room as livingston drawing the little girl along with him approached her and she began to tell livingston how they had particularly wanted him to dine with them that day as an old friend of his had promised to come to them But they had supposed, of course, that he had been overrun with invitations for the day, and as they had not seen him of late, thought that he had probably gone out of town, until her husband saw him at the club the night before, where he had gone to find some poor lone bachelor who might have no other invitation. "'You know, Will has always been very fond of you,' she said, "'and he said you have been working too hard of late and have not been looking well.' When I didn't get my usual contributions from you this Christmas, I didn't know what to make of it, but I think that on my round this morning I have found out the reason. Livingston knew the reason, but he did not tell her. The knowing smile that lit her face, however, mystified him, and he flushed a little under her searching eyes. Will was sure he saw you in the club last night, she persisted, and he tried to catch you, but you ran off and now I have come for you and will take no refusal. Livingston expressed his regret that he could not come. A wave of his hand towards the curly heads and beaming faces clustered before them and towards the long table gleaming in the dining room beyond explained his reason. I am having a Christmas dinner myself, he said. Then you will come in after they go, insisted Mrs. Wright and as Livingston knew they were going early, he assented. "'Who are your friends?' she asked. "'What a pleasant-looking man, and what lovely children. "'That little girl? "'I thought it was Cupid when she had the bandage on her eyes, "'and now I am sure of it. "'Let me present them to you,' said Livingston, "'and he presented Mr. Clark as his partner "'and Kitty as Santa Claus's partner. "'I did not know you had a partner,' she asked." It is my Christmas gift from Santa Claus, he said. One of them, I have many. End of chapter 16 Recording by Sean McGahey, net.